0: Roe versus Wade and the state of Florida.
1: What could overturning the national right to an abortion mean here?
0: And how could Florida lawmakers respond?
1: This is the Florida Roundup. From WLRN Public Media in Miami and WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville, I'm Tom Hudson.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross. Well, a leaked Supreme Court draft opinion on a closely watched abortion rights case would overturn 50 years of president and the Roe v. Wade ruling leaving decisions up to Congress and state lawmakers. This hour, we look at how this ruling could affect Florida residents, abortion access in Florida, and the midterm elections.
1: We want to hear from you. Join the conversation, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800, or at Florida Roundup on Twitter. It's all ahead next. Welcome to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. Well, this week, a political bombshell dropped across the nation. A leaked draft opinion, first reported by Politico and authored by Justice Samuel Alito indicates that the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade, the landmark nineteen seventy-three decision guaranteeing all women in America. The right to terminate a pregnancy.
1: Florida politicians immediately reacted to the leak. Democrats arguing a woman's right to choose has been the law of the land in the United States for 50 years, pointing out it's unprecedented for the high court to take away a constitutional right. Republicans focused on the leak itself, calling for an investigation. Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio, who's running for re election, called the leak, quote, strategically planned to help Democrats. Six years ago, this is how then presidential candidate Rubio described his position on abortion.
0: I believe that human life is valuable irrespective of the circumstances of its creation and deserve the protection of our law. If I'm president and the only bill that can pass is one that has exceptions, that means we're still going to save millions of lives. But, but I personally believe, and, and I've always life begins at in conception in, that life begins in conception and all human life is worthy of protection.
1: We invited Senator Rubio to join today's program here on the Florida Roundup. His campaign said he could not make it. Your calls coming up in a moment. Line them up now, though, on either side of this complex issue. 305 995 1800. On all sides of this issue for Florida. 305 995 1800 at Florida Roundup on Twitter.
0: Your calls in a bit, but first, U.S. Representative Val Demings, who is challenging Rubio for his Senate seat, has seen her campaign energized by the leak from the Supreme Court. She quickly hit the trail to message that polls show the majority of Floridians do not support overturning Roe v.ersus Wade. We spoke with Demings earlier this week. Representative Val Demings, good to be with you. Thanks for joining the Florida Roundup. It's great to be with you. Well, with the news that the Supreme Court is likely to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade, You've gone on the offensive against your opponent, Republican Senator Marco Rubio, and called him an extremist when it comes to abortion rights. What's your response to his tweet the other day accusing you and your Democratic colleagues in Congress of being radicals who support abortion up until the moment of birth? Your response?
2: Melissa, my husband, likes to say that you can make your mouth say anything, but I believe that Florida uh, voters and the American people want to see what you are doing. They're watching what you do. And we know that the overwhelming majority of Floridians and the American people support a woman's right to choose her own destiny. We know that Marco Rubio does not. And you know that the story coming out of political was shocking enough in and of itself. But the fact that Florida's senior senator, Marco Rubio, does not even want an exception for a woman or girl who is brutally raped. the victim of a case of incest look as you know i spent 27 years at the police department i investigated cases of rape and sexual abuse and i think it's horrible that marco rubio would rather play politics than to protect a woman's right to choose
0: In Florida, a majority of voters support abortion rights. How do you see this issue potentially affecting this Senate race and other races in the November midterms?
2: You know, with all of the issues that we are facing, and they are many, I really do believe that we, if we have the political will, we can do just about anything. But the foundation of what we do should be to protect constitutional rights. We know that there is legislation sitting in the Senate right now that will codify Roe versus Wade that Marco Rubio certainly hasn't bothered to support. But then the Violence Against Women Act, the Reauthorization Act, is also sitting in the Senate. Florida voters, men and women, overwhelmingly support Roe versus Wade. I wish that Senator Marco Rubio would get in touch with Florida voters. Um, this is a fight that we are not giving up on. We're going to continue to fight with everything that we have. The, women Protect, the Women's Health Protection Act is sitting in the Senate right now. I really wish that Marco Rubio would support that legislation that protects Flora's women and women all over this country.
0: Do you believe his tweet mischaracterizes that bill? He says it would legalize the killing of unborn children right up to the day of delivery.
2: That is just not accurate. And the sad part about it, um, Marco Rubio knows that's not accurate. But we also know it appears that the senator will say anything uh, to win an election. He'll say anything that he believes will get him political favor, when his primary responsibility is to take care of the people in the state of Florida. But I also find, since Marco is good at tweeting, I also find it quite interesting that he is outraged at a breach in protocol, but not outraged at an attempt to take away a woman's right to choose with absolutely no exception for rape. And incest. You mean the leak at the
0: Supreme Court is what you're referring to?
2: Absolutely, that's absolutely correct. That he's outraged about the breach of protocol, but he's not outraged about taking away constitutional rights from women and girls in this community or in our in our state. And so, I think that's appalling.
0: Now, you mentioned efforts and calls in the Congress to codify Roe v.ersus Wade into law. Of course, that couldn't be done without a 60-vote majority in the U.S. Senate, which is not a political possibility right now. If you were to be elected to the Senate and unseat Senator Rubio, where would you stand on calls to get rid of the filibuster and uh, decide these really controversial pieces of legislation, these most pressing issues affecting America, by a simple majority vote. Where would you stand on that?
2: Well, I wrote an op-ed months ago now that we needed to either abolish the filibuster or significantly modify the filibuster. Why? Because the filibuster has been used time and time again in our country to obstruct pertinent legislation, like the Civil Rights Act, for example, the Voting Rights Act, for example. And we know how important those pieces of legislation are. I really do believe that any tool that's used as a tool of instruction between the American people and what is good for legislation that is good for them should not be utilized. Look, I was elected to the House of Representatives. Marco Rubio was elected to the United States Senate to get things done protecting the health, safety, and well-being of Floridians is the primary, our primary responsibility. I will never abandon that responsibility. As a former 27-year law enforcement officer, the chief of police, I will never abandon that responsibility. Marco Rubio has proven when he decides to show up for work that he is not interested in protecting the health, safety, and well-being
3: first. He's more
2: uh, interested in... He's more interested in playing political games.
0: Now, you said when he decides to show up for work, are you intimating that Senator Rubio is not showing up to work consistently?
2: Senator Rubio's attendance record speaks for itself. And you can go back to 2015. He had one of the worst attendance records in the United States Senate. He still has problems showing up for his hearings. A tremendous responsibility that he has in the United States Senate. And I think he should be be held accountable for that. What I do know is as a police chief, had I not shown up for work, I would have been fired, and I would have deserved to have been fired. So it would be nice during these critical times, these very present times, if a senior senator from Florida would get his priorities in order.
0: You've been running against Senator Rubio for a while, uh, and not uh, getting ahead of him in the polls. He, of course, does have the advantage of incumbency and name recognition. People listening to your voice right now can tell you're a little hoarse because you've been out there on the campaign trail. Since this draft opinion was leaked, I want to ask you, as you go about the state and talk to Florida voters... What are they saying to you about this issue of Roe versus Wade?
2: Well, let me say, I have been traveling the state doing what I did as a law enforcement officer, and that's to talk to people about things that matter to them. I did not pick winners and losers based on their ability to play, nor their political party. Law enforcement officers are charged with getting things done. And I have been traveling the state from the panhandle down to the Keys, talking to people about things that keep them up at night. Certainly, when these stories broke, my my phone just started blowing up. My email started blowing up, hearing from people, not just in my congressional district, but all over the state and throughout the nation, very concerned about uh, the news coming out of the Supreme Court. They're scared to death. They're trying to wonder during these critical times when we have so many priorities that this same old vicious attack on a woman's right to choose would rear its ugly head yet again in this very, very appalling way. But what I'm also hearing from women throughout the state of Florida is that they're not going back, they're not sitting down, they're not shutting up, they're not going back to a time where they're treated like property. They're not going back to a time where they're treated like second-class citizens. They believe that they have the constitutional right to make their own personal, independent, very intimate decision. And also, when I think about my own life, when I decided to start a family, I didn't ask my congressman, I didn't ask my governor, and I didn't ask my senator's permission. It is a personal decision that should be left up to every woman in this country, and we're going to continue to fight for that constitutional right.
0: Last question, Representative Demings. As I mentioned, the polling is clear in Florida. The majority of Florida voters do not approve of overturning Roe v.ersus Wade they believe abortion should remain legal in all or most instances, although there are some voters that believe there should be some restrictions on the procedure. For the minority of voters out there that you're campaigning to in this Senate race who have deeply held beliefs about abortion and disagree with it on a moral basis, what's your message to those voters?
2: Well, you know, what makes this Country's is great, is the Constitution, the rule of law, and our precious system of government. A woman's right to choose her own destiny is a constitutional right that has been granted to her. And so our responsibility is to make sure that we protect constitutional rights, this case, the right to worship. Uh, in, the, in the church or synagogue, a place of worship of your choice, the right to be able to cast your vote and have your vote counted, the right to be able to go into a restaurant and be served, regardless of the color of your skin. These are constitutional rights that have been guaranteed to Floridians and the American people. And the majority of people in the state understand and and want to see their elected leaders protect those rights. Marco Rubio is the one who stands to the majority of Floridians that their opinion does not matter. Their effort to or, or desire to protect constitutional rights does not matter. And that is just plain old wrong. And we're going to fight against that with everything that we have.
0: Representative Val Demings, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. across the state of Florida here to join our conversation on the Florida Roundup, either side of this issue, all sides of the abortion issue here in Florida, 305-995-1800 at Florida Roundup on Twitter. Tamara is joining us. Tamara, thanks for listening. You are on the radio. Go ahead.
4: Hello. Uh, Yes, I must say I do agree with Val Demings that Rubio will say anything Um, I think he's it's a white man telling women what to do all I can say is maybe he should get a uterus and see what it's like I also think that if women are going to be criminalized if this law changes and people can tell on people then why is the man not criminalized perhaps because last I checked it does take two to tango and I just think that this is very discriminatory to all women especially minorities but women are also a minority too they're you know and i really believe that this law is based on civil rights and if that's taken away what's next
1: by by law you mean the roe versus wade supreme court decision
4: right if this draft does bear you know if it you know is going to be end up changing the law if it does get struck down i just see this as a huge. America's going so backwards. It's very scary.
1: Tamara, we hear you. Thanks for joining the conversation. In Jensen Beach, Rob has been patient. Go ahead, Rob. You're on the radio.
4: Yes,
5: uh, I appreciate what Val Deming said, and she has my vote. I just want to say that women need to have viable alternatives to abortion, and you can only do that with free and easy access to birth control, and they need to have emergency contraception. Uh, I was shocked to see that a Rep- South Florida Republican lawmaker, a woman, said that it was beneficial for victims of human trafficking to be pregnant because that way they would be less marketable. Uh, what is going on here?
1: Yeah, you're referring to a state senator. Uh, here in Florida, from uh, Dade County, Senator Garcia, who made those comments yes, on Miami yes. Beach earlier this week. Yeah, Rob, we so appreciate that it.
5: logic. Should everyone become pregnant so that they won't get raped? I don't understand. Anyhow, thank you very much.
1: Sure, Rob. Thanks for joining the conversation, Tim and Deland. Before we take a break, we want to hear from you for a few seconds. Go ahead, Tim, on line four. There you are. Hi, Tim.
2: Hi. How you doing? <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I just don't like the way this thing is being couched. I mean, what happened was a Mississippi law went up to the Supreme Court, which states you cannot have an abortion after 15 weeks. Abortion is still going to be legal in most of the United States, even if, this, even if this decision comes down. But everybody's saying it's the end of abortion, but that's just not true. They're going to let individual states vote on what they want to have as a law in their state. I don't un- I don't understand how the- everyone is saying it's going to end abortion because that is not true. Yeah,
1: well I don't think you've heard that on this program that it's ending abortion if this decision that uh, came out as a draft opinion from uh, associate uh, justice Samuel Alito becomes the majority opinion later on in June or July. There are certainly in several states that do have trigger laws which uh, which will uh, more severely restrict if not outright ban abortion should the uh, Roe versus Wade and uh, Casey Planned Parenthood decisions be overturned by this Supreme Court decision in the next uh, uh, several weeks. Uh, we want to continue this conversation, though, throughout the hour. want to hear from you across the spectrum of this, uh, this, uh, this topic, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800. We're going to get to as many phone calls as we can. You can also share your thoughts on social media. We are at Florida Roundup.
0: All of that ahead, but the conversation continues up next.
5: Our vision to see a world where, you know, we view abortion like slavery uh, something that's unthinkable in a modern, civilized society.
0: Abortion opponents are praising the news from the high court, what their activism might mean for abortion access in Florida. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup, and thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville.
1: In Miami, I'm Tom Hudson. We are talking about what will be another landmark Supreme Court ruling regarding abortion in the weeks ahead. A draft opinion written by Associate Judge Samuel Alito was leaked early this week. It lays out the conservative justices' arguments for throwing out the Roe v. Wade decision, which ruled the Constitution's right to privacy protect the right to choose whether or not to have an abortion.
0: Now, the court is deciding a case in Mississippi where a law restricts most abortions after 15 weeks. That's earlier than the current legal standard of viability, which is 23 to 24 weeks of pregnancy. A new Florida law that takes effect in July bans most abortions in the state after 15 weeks gestation. There is no exception now in Florida for rape or incest. Your calls in a bit, 305-995-1800. Tweet us at Florida Roundup. But first, abortion opponents are praising the news from the Supreme Court. We spoke with John Stemberger of the Florida Family Policy Council. John Stemberger, thanks for joining the Florida Roundup. Good to be with you. So this news you've reacted to already, saying this is the moment we have been working for our entire lives. Can you share your thoughts about the leaked draft opinion and what that might mean for abortion access in Florida going forward?
5: Well, I think it was a real shock to everyone. That, I think whether you stand on the issue, either way, it was just a shock to see it come out the way that it did. Very sad, a very difficult. Hopefully that person will be prosecuted and disbarred. But um, if the opinion is uh, what it looks to be in terms of the majority, it's significant historical uh, probably the most historic decision since Roe v.ersus Wade, <clears throat> and we're thrilled about it. Our our vision is to see a world where, you know, we view abortion like slavery, uh, something that's unthinkable in a modern civilized society. Um, you know, women can have children, and adoption is always the better option. We have tens of thousands of just married mothers and fathers going overseas to adopt children. I mean, there's no reason why a woman can't give her child up and have a forever family. Uh, instead of instead of destroying it
0: in Florida, uh abortion is now banned after fifteen weeks. Uh, that was a law signed by the governor earlier this year. You were among the groups that backed that. no exceptions for rape or incest. What's your response to uh critics of these moves in Florida? The polling shows the majority of Florida residents support keeping Roe versus Wade in place and a majority also opposed this limit on abortion after 15 weeks.
5: Well, I think that um, the poll is very different depending on, on how you frame it. Uh, people are very uncomfortable with the extreme position of the Democrats. That is abortion on demand for any reason. You even have places in California now that are proposing what appears to be infanticide. So this is really very, very extreme. Well,
0: well, to be clear, the polling shows that most Americans are strongly in favor of keeping the procedure legal during the first trimester of pregnancy, support dips in the second trimester.
5: I think that's correct. Um, Yep. So, um, yeah, here in Florida, um, we have a late-term destination abortion problem. Uh, People from Alabama and Georgia and Louisiana are coming to Florida to get late-term abortions. Um, Before the 15-week bill, which goes into effect July 1, um, abortion was legal through 24 weeks. Um, A child can feel the excruciating pain of being ripped apart in its mother's womb. So this is a barbaric procedure. Uh, 15 weeks is much more reasonable. Um, It solves that problem and puts us more in alignment with the states above us. Um, So I think it's good law. It's good policy. Um, It protects the unborn child at least after 15 weeks of pregnancy.
0: Now, there is a privacy provision in the Florida Constitution uh, that has made Florida uh, relatively rare among these southeast states you mentioned in providing generous access to abortion procedures. Uh, Access to abortion in Florida wouldn't end immediately if Roe were to be struck down. That said, there have been some uh, calls for the state legislature to move more aggressively to limit access to abortion, depending on what SCOTUS does. What will your organization do in that vein?
5: Well, I think, first of all, of our privacy amendment, its origin was informational privacy. President Carter commissioned a Privacy Commission back in the 70s on the heels of Watergate, wiretapping, TCP/IP, wire transfers, fax machines first coming on the scenes. And his commission recommended states adopt independent freestanding privacy provisions for informational privacy. Um, Florida did that in 1980, and then nine years later, uh, a very leftist Florida Supreme Court suddenly found, uh, without any background at all, a fundamental right to abortion in our state constitution. I think if any of the current pro-life laws are challenged, and they have not been challenged yet, because I think uh, the pro-abortion rights advocates are in somewhat of a checkmate situation, in terms of making legal challenges, I think the current court would look at that amendment and say it doesn't say abortion, nothing in its history has anything to do with abortion, and strike down Florida's pro-abortion uh, rights law. In terms of the future of Florida, I think that you'll probably see someone run a heartbeat bill uh, protecting an unborn child after six weeks of pregnancy, after there's a heartbeat to be detected.
0: Well, to um, be clear, it's not a heartbeat per se, se. it's it's electrical um, activity.
5: I would disagree with you on that, and I think there's good research to show that the development of a heart has taken place at that point. But, you know, that's something for another forum. Unless you want to get into the research now on the phone.
0: Well, I'm just um, citing research by clinicians who've taken issue with the rhetorical framing of uh, banning abortion at six weeks as a heartbeat bill. Technically, uh, medically, strictly defined, it's not a heartbeat.
5: So in any regard, uh, that's probably what you'll see next in terms of a bill being proposed.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you, John, as you mentioned, you believe that once a fetus can feel pain, it's barbaric to do this procedure. Let me ask you, what's your response to those out there who have support for women to make this decision privately? They may not be comfortable with abortion after a certain level of gestation, but they do feel strongly that women should have the option in the early part of pregnancy.
5: Yeah, I mean, our position is that abortion is necessary in our society; that we should love children and not kill them. Um, that adoption is always a better option, and it's just an unnecessary thing in a modern civilized society. And I think you're going to see that the trends are showing that surgical abortion is going to, you know, decrease over time. Sadly, chemical abortions increasing over time. It's a thing that's not needed. It destroys a human life. And, that, and it's not a positive thing.
0: Well, women terminate uh, pregnancies for any number of reasons, often because they can't afford a child or yeah. they've been a victim of rape or incest. I mean, uh, there are many reasons why women make the decision.
5: Sure. I mean, finances should never be an option. You can adopt any child literally within 24 hours if a mother's want to adopt. Um, there's enormous need for adoption. Uh, thousands of parents go overseas, as I said before. And so, you know, a mother can go through pregnancy, give that child up, and that's a humane option um, that doesn't involve her parenting the child. And finances are there, trust me. If, if anyone wants to be able to give their child up, you know, for adoption, it can be completely paid for in full by the parents
0: that want to adopt. So. John Stenberger of the Florida Family Policy Council. Thanks for
1: joining us. Thank you. statewide here on the Florida Roundup, 305-995-1800. In Orlando, Shannon has been listening in. Shannon, we want to hear from you. Go ahead.
6: Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I am a certified nurse midwife and a nurse practitioner, so my daily job is to deliver healthy babies. And I am pro-choice, but I don't think abortion should be a choice. I think there should be a change in the conversation in America, not to abortion, but how do we get access to birth control and education? Birth control has been around for 70 years. We really should be able to give this free in our country through the health department, through low-income housing, whatever it takes, so that women who do not want to get pregnant actually can use effective birth control. And as we know, birth control is not 100%. But I also recommend to all of my patients to use condoms also. So two methods. Not only does it prevent pregnancy, but it prevents things a lot worse than mm-hmm. pregnancy, including HIV and STD.
1: Shannon, we appreciate you uh, giving us your read there as a midwife in Orlando. Much appreciated for sharing you know, your thoughts here on the Florida Roundup and for listening in. Dozens of outside groups have filed briefs with the Supreme Court in support of and in opposition to the Mississippi law that's at the center of this issue. One was a group of dozens, more than 100 economists across the United States, including Madeline Zavodny, a professor of economics at the University of North Florida. Professor, welcome to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for your time. Thank you. What role does economics play in the abortion issue?
3: I think that economists can bring very good evidence about the causal effects of abortion access and what happened when abortion first became legally available in the United States, and then what's happened over time as abortion has become less available. That there's been a huge, um, very well-done literature that has looked at the effects on women, their children and economic outcomes.
1: I want to ask you about those, but how does this fit into the constitutional question that's at the center before the Supreme Court?
3: Oh, well, I'm not a lawyer. I am an economist. <laughs> so <laughs> no, and let a, me preface all that. And um, Professor, but...
1: I'm a journalist, not a lawyer or an economist <laughs> for that matter.
3: Right. Right. Um, But it was very interesting that Chief Justice Roberts, during the oral arguments in this case, said in response to something uh, being argued by the lawyer representing the clinics, that we should just, you know, setting aside the data. well. Economists don't set aside the data. We believe in data-making, you know, in data-informed decisions, at mm-hmm. least. And so certainly we might, before making big changes, want to consider what's likely to happen as a result of those changes.
1: So how would you like your filing with the Supreme Court to, uh, to be understood by Justice Alito, the author of this draft opinion, for instance, that was, uh, that was leaked this week?
3: Again, I just think it's really important that everyone, including the justices, understand what's likely to happen if we see greater reductions in women's access to abortion. It not only has implications for those women and the children that they might have, but also for the children that in many cases women who choose to have abortions already have almost half or so of women right now who have abortions already have children. And so the possibility that they might have additional children who were unplanned, unwanted pregnancies has implications for those children as well. And so what we know from several decades of excellent research is that you will see worse outcomes for on average women and their children if women don't have access to abortion.
1: We're talking about uh, abortion here in the state of Florida in light of the leaked Supreme Court uh, opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito leaked about a a Mississippi case that uh, really is putting at the center again a Roe versus Wade and a a woman's ability to uh, have an abortion in the United States. The uh, conversation uh, will continue here on the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Madeline Zavadny is with us, professor of economics at the University of North Florida, one of more than 100 economists who signed on to a filing with the Supreme Court in this case. Uh, so give us some more specificity uh, about what the literature indicates regarding access to abortion and someone's economic life.
3: Sure. So what we know is that First of all, um, access to legal abortion does result in abortions uh, and therefore in fewer births. What is less clear is whether or not it results in fewer or more pregnancies. So what we would expect, first of all, is that when women have less access to abortion, they become more likely to give birth. What that means for them and those children is less educational attainment on average for the women and for those children, higher rates of poverty for those women, and for their children. Those children tend to grow up in single-parent households. They tend to grow up in poverty or you know, straight into economic circumstances to get less education. Unfortunately, they are more likely to be victims of abuse and neglect. And so there's just you know a whole host of undesirable outcomes that I would want everyone to understand before you know, policies change.
1: Now, Justice Alito points out in his draft opinion uh, that many changes to how, as he writes, the attitudes about pregnancy of unmarried women have changed drastically uh, he talks about laws banning employment discrimination for instance family leave policies and insurance coverage what are your thoughts about about those lines of uh, of changes uh, here in economic society in the United States since the original roe v Wade decision
3: Well, it sounds really great, but I'm not sure how well it matches the reality on the ground for lots of women, particularly low-income women who are maybe doing shift work with unpredictable schedules that change by the week, who have difficulty accessing affordable child care um, and wouldn't see as a result of any immediate changes made by the Supreme Court right now increases in affordable child care. um, And... I just don't understand how that matches the reality we see.
1: State data finds that about one in five abortions in Florida in 2021 were for social and economic reasons. That was the uh, the reason given in uh, state reporting. Our previous guest here on the program said that, quote, finances should never be an option and said there is an enormous need for adoption. How do you respond to that?
3: children are expensive unquestionably and many people in the united states don't make incomes that allow them to raise children in the environment that those parents would desire unfortunately and i don't think that changes in abortion access are necessarily going to be accompanied by changes in other social policies that would make it easier for people who want to be parents to raise children
1: such as what what types of uh, changes in social policies would those could those be
3: oh goodness there are so many things that you know we could do if we wanted to, but these are really you know programs that I think would be part of a much greater conversation about how large of a social safety net we want to have, what kind of taxes we want to pay, and what the role of government should be. Um, so again, as I think it's important to understand the implications for people economic and social lives of a change in abortion legislation that just because we change abortion law doesn't mean that we're going to have all of these other changes in policies immediately or even ever happen.
1: Most uh, abortions in Florida were done in the first trimester. Uh, The the new law in Florida taking effect in July will uh, restrict abortions to the first trimester. Would that have any economic impact different than what you've picked up on?
3: So most women do have, who who have an abortion have one in the first trimester, and certainly later term abortions are under usually very difficult and often heartbreaking circumstances for the women uh, and their family members. What I think is important to recognize is where Florida is geographically yeah. that some of our neighbors to the north have so-called trigger laws that will automatically make abortion illegal and all or most circumstances in those states.
1: Madeline, we have to leave it there. I apologize for the interruption. The <laughs> clock is here. Madeline Zavodny, pres, uh, a professor of economics, University of North Florida. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for supporting public broadcasting in your community. In Miami, I'm Tom Hudson.
0: And in Jacksonville, I'm Melissa Ross. Lots of calls and tweets from across the state as we talk about abortion for the full hour today. Here's just one tweet. I'm personally appalled by abortion, but I know that outlawing it will not prevent women from getting abortions. It will only prevent safe abortions. John has been holding in Melbourne. John, go ahead. You're on the air.
5: Hi. Yes, I'd like to point out that the Florida legislation should more properly be labeled as pro-birth. If it were truly pro-life, then there would be full provisions to provide the women with the cost and the distribution of prenatal care. And also for all the birthing uh, cost and, and, and access, uh, that would be pro-life to ensure that the life of the mother and the child are provided for.
0: Thanks for your perspective, John. All right, let's move on and talk about a little Florida history. Florida has a special place in the history of the abortion rights movement. In 1980, voters here made Florida one of the few states to enshrine an express right to privacy in the Constitution. Four decades on, that protection is the major reason Florida remains an important oasis for reproductive care.
1: Yeah, the state has 55 abortion clinics, more than seven other southeastern states combined. Only California and New York are believed to have higher counts. Florida is also an essential receiving state. In the past five years, for instance, more than 16,000 people traveled here to the Sunshine State from other parts of the United States for abortion care. Now, in its its first-of-its-kind analysis, Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting has found that police calls across the state related to clinic harassment, disturbance, and violence have doubled over the past six years. Join our conversation across the spectrum of opinions on this story, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800 at Florida Roundup.
0: Laura Morrell is a reporter with the Center for Investigative Reporting and joins us now with more about the findings. Laura, good to have you. So you researched these incidents at Florida clinics over the past five years. What do the numbers show?
7: Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, So yes, we did an analysis of police calls to uh, the state's 55 clinics. um, So that's about 30 different law enforcement agencies. Um, And what we found is that incidents of harassment, disturbances, and violence doubled since 2016 uh, through uh, the end of 2021. And we found several uh, different kinds of incidents that sort of range the spectrum from Uh, you know, harassment to more serious um, allegations. For example, at the Planned Parenthood in Fort Myers in 2020, um, there was an arson. uh, And then earlier this year at that same clinic, there was a clinic blockade. Uh, There were about uh, more than a dozen protesters that blocked the entrance of that uh, Planned Parenthood location. um, And a few people were arrested. Uh, We also found incidents in Gainesville, Florida, uh, where a clinic employee reported that she was being stalked outside of her working hours by a man who was standing outside of the clinic. Um, Also, um, another incident of a protester in Lakeland who was standing on a ladder um, against the fence of an abortion clinic there to get a better vantage point of patients as they were walking in. Um, And the police report states that he also threatened a passerby who was just, you know, trying to walk by the sidewalk with mace. Um, And then in Tampa, Florida, um, there was an incident of a woman who was leaving a clinic um, who was confronted by a protester who was filming her and taking down her license plate number, which we found is actually a really common tactic among anti-abortion protesters. Um, And the woman um, was 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 visibly upset and uh, damaged the protesters camera. Uh, There were also a few incidents where protesters also called the police, um, sometimes to report threats and other times to report um, suspicious activity at the clinics. Um, And a lot of in in a lot of cases, police investigated and found no wrongdoing. So it's a wide range of different kinds of incidents that have been happening in Florida over the last six years. So
0: Florida does have a history of anti-abortion extremism and violence that have led to the passage of a law that allows the Department of Justice to actually prosecute people who harass or commit violence at these clinics. Yet your reporting shows it hasn't been very effective. Can you tell us why?
7: Yeah, so there's this law. It's called the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. It's known as the FACE Act. Um, And it was passed in 1994. It was a bipartisan bill um, after a wave of anti-abortion violence um, that sort of culminated in 1993 when Dr. David Gunn was murdered uh, by an anti-abortion activist outside of a clinic in Pensacola. Um, He's the first uh, known abortion doctor to be murdered in U.S. history, um, and so the law is supposed to protect clinics and patients from force, threats of force, and physical obstruction. And the law was really successful in cracking down on clinic invasions and blockades that were happening regularly in the 80s and 90s. Um, these were incidents where uh, protesters were, uh, you know, blockading entrances with scrap metal or with uh, cars with flat tires, or even with their bodies or chaining themselves to entrances. And the law did a good job of addressing that. And those kinds of tactics have decreased over time. Um, But what we're seeing is that tactics have evolved. For instance, as I mentioned earlier, protesters, we all have cell phones now, we all have cameras. And so uh, an intimidation tactic that we often see Um, is protesters taking photos of patients and their license plates as they're walking into clinics. Um, Or, you know, in the in the case of this one Jacksonville clinic that we looked at closely, um, leasing space right next door to a clinic so that they have close access uh, to be able to surveil what's going on. Uh, within the facility. Um, So I requested um, data from the Department of Justice um, on each case that they filed under the FACE Act since 1994. And we found that only 101 cases, an average of four a year, have been brought under the statute.
0: Had been brought. Uh, Let me jump in and say, you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. 305-995-1800.
1: Kelly has been listening in in Tampa. Go ahead, Kelly. You are on the radio.
8: Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, I represent the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, which is one of five abortion funds in the state of Florida. And all five of us have been actively planning for uh, the restrictions that are facing Floridians soon, the 15-week ban and the 24-hour delay uh, weight that just went into effect last week. You're referring and to, we, right,
1: the, the new restrictions and the new Florida law that'll take effect July 1st. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Go go ahead, yes.
8: please. So we have been working with outside states, uh, abortion funds in outside states, receiving states, and uh, groups in receiving states that have prepared for Uh, receiving folks from Florida. They have been receiving folks from Texas, and they will be receiving folks from the other states. So there are a number of clinics that we now have new arrangements with in uh, Maryland and Virginia and the D.C. area and Illinois. And we would like to let all Floridians know that safe abortion will always be available. Just call your local abortion fund. We can get you out of state, and we are also working on training within state for self-managed abortion options.
1: Kelly, appreciate uh, you listening and uh, adding your voice to the conversation here on the Florida Roundup.
0: So, Laura Morell, that gives us a bit of an idea of the landscape going forward. What are your thoughts about this? If Roe versus Wade Officially dies. What's the path forward for clinics in Florida as they try to operate in this environment?
7: Right. So, if if and when Roe v. Wade falls, um, there was actually an amicus brief that was filed by several abortion rights groups back in September. Um, and they note that they believe that there will be an increase in violence and antagonism outside of the remaining clinics in the United States. Um, So after Roe Falls, of course, many clinics are going to close, and that means that there's going to be fewer targets um, for the anti-abortion movement, and so abortion rights groups are concerned that these remaining clinics, these remaining reproductive health care providers are going to see upticks in um, harassment and violence outside of their clinics. And that includes Florida, um, which, of course, you know, we have the 15 week ban uh, that's going into effect in July. Um, but there will still be a lot of uh, patients, especially from the South, which is going to have a lot of restrictive abortion bans who will still be coming to Florida. Um, And so the clinics here will be will be faced um, with dealing with uh, those protests and that violence. And there are no uh, state protections currently in Florida for abortion providers and patients.
0: And as you mentioned, uh, fewer cases being brought at the federal level, correct?
7: Yes, correct. And, and that's just because of um, the way the law was very narrowly tailored to avoid violating the First Amendment. Um, you know, the First Amendment protects free speech, um, and the legal the line between harassment and protected free speech is really blurry. Um, so that is why oftentimes um, there are no sort of recourses for clinics that are dealing with ongoing harassment outside of clinics because. It's considered protected speech.
0: It's a deep dive into this issue. I recommend everybody check it out. And I want to thank you for spending some time with us here this Friday. Laura Morrell is a reporter with Reveal, the Center for Investigative Reporting, looking at a doubling of incidents of harassment and violence at Florida's abortion clinics over the past six years. Laura, thanks for sharing your reporting with us. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone across the state who listened, who called, who uh, tweeted the show uh, as we devoted the full hour to this monumental issue, Tom, in American life.
1: Indeed, and uh, we will continue to return to this topic, uh, I imagine, in the weeks ahead, particularly as we uh, move into the uh, Supreme Court season in June and July when the uh, final opinion will be released.
0: And that is our show, The Florida Roundup, is produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Tway are producers. Catherine Hobbs is associate producer.
1: WLRN's director of radio operations is Peter Meritz. Our technical director today is Richard Ives. Engineering help each and every week from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, and Josh Torres. Our theme music is provided by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Lebos at aaronlebos.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hudson.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross. Have a safe and happy Mother's Day weekend.